Welcome back to Mishnah Vayom at Home with Gabi and Kayla Kraus. We are learning Mesachet Shkalim, Perik Chet, Mishnah Dalad. We're in Tractate Shkalim and we're learning the fourth Mishnah of the eighth chapter. Here's a little intro. Agav ha'isuk betumat kelim v'mishniyat hakodmot mishnah zo oseket b'parochet ha'mikdash shenitma'ah shigam hi mugderet keli. Okay, so we are going to talk about a topic that we talked about previously, uh, which is the impurity of vessels. What to do with uh, when a vessel becomes impure? And in our mission, we're going to specifically talk about the parochet. Okay, it's a special curtain. Lavanat mishnah nekdim kama bedine tumah. So before we start our mishnah, we are going to just recall and give um, a couple um, definitions and. Um, just jog our memory a little bit about uh, the different uh, laws of impurity. There are different levels. The primary level of of uh, of impurity is a mate, okay, a dead person himself, okay. How would you translate that, Gab? Um, I mean, technically, it's like a. You know, it's like parent-child. It's a, it's like a father. Mm-hmm. Um, in if you think of it like a family tree or something like that, it, it's it's like a parent-child uh, relationship tree. So I feel like the, so ma- the a person who's dead is like super, super father of Tuma, and then Avha Tuma is. Well, we need a good word. Um, let's say pri- is it, it primary. What what do you call the the first one? Aviavot Hatuma. Uh, yeah, let's Father just do primary. Yeah, so then Avatuma, which is the regular primary, Kegon Sheretz Nivela Vanogea Bamet. So that is a um, a Sheretz, a creepy crawler. Nivela is a. Um, you say a primary source right. of of impurity, mm-hmm. okay. right? It just happens that a dead human being is the highest, the highest of that. Highest. But right. Okay. So Ava. So. Back to Avatuma. So we said Sheretz Nivela no Gebamit. So Sheretz is a like a like bug. Creepy crawler. Creepy crawler. Nivela is the uh, carcass of an animal. Uh someone who touches someone who is deceased. Someone who touches a dead body. A dead body. Okay. Then the next level is Rishon Latuma. Hanogea Beavhatuma. So this next level is the uh, the child of the Avhatuma, right? So it's like a one degree of separation. One degree. degree of separation. There you go. Thank you. Okay, so that's someone who touches. Oh, yeah, let's just say degree. That's perfect. Degree. Second right. degree. Second degree. Right. One who touches an Avhatuma, uh, which we said the, the the primary source, which is the, uh, uh, you know, the creepy crawler, the carcass, or someone who touched a dead person. Okay. Next level is Shini the Tuma. Is the we're calling it, I guess, third degree, third degree, and then Shlishi Latuma, which is fourth degree, because we're saying third from the primary. So we have like our like primary source of Tuma is first degree Tuma, Mm -hmm. right? You have the dead body, which is the highest. That's like you know the ultimate Tuma Mm -hmm. uh, impurity, and then you have first degree is Av, and then every time after that says it's Shani Le or Rishon Le. Then that's like one from 
the primary. So we'll call it, you know, second degree, uh-huh. third degree, fourth degree. So yeah. then if you touch something, which touch something, which touch something. Okay, then it just continues. Min ha-Torah, according to the Torah, Adam bekilim enam nitzmeim ela im naga behem tuma bedergat av hatuma vamala. Okay, so according to the Torah, a person and um, and vessels are not uh, able to become impure unless they touch something that is in the level of av hatuma, the level of someone who at least touched a, a dead body or um, the or first the degree parts, examples, uh, right? The first degree examples, right? Creepy crawlers. Oh, okay, creepy crawlers as well. So. Um, and okay, and and above, or an actual dead person, right? Ulam chazal gazru shemashkin tmein afilu b'dergab chutame afatmuhatuma itmeu chelim. Okay, so we said right before what the according to the Torah, uh, the biblical, and now we we are saying that the um, chazal. Uh, the rabbis enacted um, a safeguard of an additional stringency, which would uh, which would prohibit. Um, so it would have mashkin, uh, um, which is like liquids. Right. Um, they would become impure, even from a lesser level than the avhatumah. Okay, that would would that could cause a vessel to become uh, tummy. I guess because liquids are so easy to splash or to get on things. Like liquids are messy, so like you want to be extra careful. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And we're talking about liquids that you know emissions that come um, from from like a zav uh, from a body. Those, uh, according to the Bible, are they are mitame. They make impure. Okay, so that is our intro to the Mishnah for today. Um, okay. Oh, and I just want to say one last thing is that the parochet, which we're talking about, it was the curtain that was right separating uh, from the Holy of the Holies with the Ark of the Covenant to the Holy, the part of uh, inside the temple where you had the menorah and the uh, and the table and um, and the golden incense altar. Okay, Gabi, take it away. Parochet shenet meit vivlad hatuma matbilinota bifnim umachnisinota miyad. Uh, the curtain that gets um, sorry, the curtain that gets um, uh, impure from a vladatumah. We'll explain exactly what level that is, but you know, a, a, at least not not a primary level uh, degree. Um, you have you um, you you matbilin. Uh, you um, bring it to the to the mikvah to purify. Uh, do that inside, um, and then. We bring it uh, back inside right away. So what does that mean? Im parochet beit hamikdash nitmaah mi mashke tamei dargat vlad hatumah rishon tumah. So if the current of the beit hamikdash, like Kayla was saying, um, becomes uh, richly impure from a liquid, the level of vlad hatumah. So we're saying this is rishon tumah, right? So the second degree tumah that we described earlier. Rishon here is saying first Latuma, so it's second degree, um, second degree impurity, meaning like something that touched something that, you know, that something that was uh, a dead body or or um, 
a creepy crawler or something like that. So you'd right away you dunk it in the mikveh um in the beta mikdash kimutar la shota be mikdash ad hatbalta lefisha tumazum indigat kalabioter you don't have to like get it out of the beta mikdash it's not such a high level because it's rishon the tumah it's second degree tumah so right so what we're saying now um what this note is describing is that um once you're already a second degree impurity it doesn't have to leave the beta mikdash it could stay there and you can dunk it there and then you can keep it there, and then when it's done, you can And so then, after you do the dunk, it's purified, you can put it right back. So we're saying, we're not, like we mentioned in the previous Mishnah, the concept of Tfulyom does not apply, uh, because it's a much lower level of impurity, right? It's, it touched something that was second degree, impurity and therefore you just dunk it once and then you can hang it back up that's the end of it it doesn't you, you don't, don't have, have to, to wait, wait till nightfall right cuz again remember it was it got uh impure from a liquid that was second degree and that was all rabbinic uh, a rabbinic enactment rabbinic origin um and uh and so uh especially in the beta mikdash a lot of times um there were a lot of rabbinic enactments that would take place only outside of the beta mikdash and inside the beta mikdash would be um it wouldn't there was there's some rabbinic enactments that didn't happen at all like for example in the time of the beta mikdash rosh hashanah on shabbat you would blow the shofar on shabbat because there's such a heightened level of religious observance the the rabbis uh, a lot of the rabbis enactments weren't necessary because there was no uh, thought that people would uh, would do an, uh, like a sin without realizing or something it was such a high level of observance that there were different things that were allowed and here too because it's a low enough level it's a it's a rabbinic origin level of impurity um, you can just dunk it once and then hang it back up okay the next part of the mishnah. Okay, so something, um, or actually this parochet, if um, it becomes impure from an avatuma, right, not from the vladatuma, but from the avatuma, so from the primary source, so you put it in a mikvah, outside the temple um, premises, and you spread it out in the chel. We will explain. Okay. Um, okay. You know, had some liquid spritz around. Or somehow the okay. someone died in the Beit Hamikdash and a Cohen was and it touched it, and right? Uh, and they would say they said um, many times they said that Cohen uh, Gadol who in um, on Yom Kippur. Maybe that's why it's here in this Mishnah. Right. Right. Is this? Uh, he would go to do the service. A lot of Shkalim, uh, it, because it's survive. right before Yuma. There's like so there's a lot of crossover, mm-hmm. so it's interesting. Right, and they'd have to like pull them out. Okay. Because we're about to. We're almost done with Masechet Shkalim, mm-hmm. and we're going to go into Yuma. And that's one of the major topics in, in our history that comes up, is that in the Second Temple... There's Kohanim, a lot of turnover. Yeah, 
high priest would die basically every every year on Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Except for so some can imagine uh, periods of righteous They'd uh, have to priest. purify the place. Right. Oh, for sure. And yeah. especially could have easily touched the parochat. So what do you have to do with the parochat? Well, we're about to find out. Call the cleaning squad. <laughs> yeah. So you have to take off the curtain. Removed. remove it to outside of the temple premises. Okay, so first you, um, so you you take it to, uh, it so- sounds like a, a uh, mikvah that is located outside yeah, of the yeah, temple. Yeah, outside the temple. It's okay. got to be removed. Right. Off and the premises. So you tovel it, you dunk it. Lishatcha is to, like the word shatuach is to flatten out, spread it out, um, and it dries in the chel michutz la azara. Okay, samuch lechomat ezrat nashim. So if you've ever seen a model of the temple, you'll see um, there is a like little gate around the temple before you go into the temple walls. That um, and they have little breaks inside of it. That is called the chel. Okay. So it's right, right uh, outside of the wall of the um, women's courtyard. Okay, so here you do have to uh, let it stay there and you wait for all of the impurity, the tumah, to come out of it. And you have to, um, you have to wait till nightfall passes, just like the laws of a tful yom. Okay, um, here we go. More uh, last part of the Mishnah. Ve'im ha'ita chadasha, and if it was new, shotchin ota al gag ha'itztaba k'dei shiru ha'am et melachta shehi na'a. So they would spread it out on the roof of the itztaba um, in order for the nation to see the beautiful um, tapestry work of the this uh, parochet, which generally was hidden from the eyes of most because it was inside of the holy um, and only uh, certain priests um, who would go in to do the the priestly work there uh, would see it. But when it was a new one, they had it first, its first like staging area was in an area where everyone could see and appreciate it. Oh. So um, they would put it on uh, this roof of the Itztaba. Uh, in Itztaba, um, it, it kind of looks like Roman architecture. It ha- It's like this area, it's covered. So if it was raining, you could kind of go uh, under there for cover. There's like columns and stuff. So that was uh, the Itztaba. So that's where they would spread it out. And this way, all the people could see it. And they can also be inspired to maybe donate the next uh, parochet for the temple. Shehayu bo parochot. Because they were another, we have, uh, we had a lot of 13s before. We had 13 tables and 13 gates. So we had 13 chauffeur-shaped uh, charity boxes. So here there were 13 parochot. There were 13 different curtains throughout the temple. And so... Um, and Judaism was, 13 is a lucky number. Yes, it's a lucky <laughs> number. Maybe that's why it's an unlucky number. Uh, in the rest of the world because they, they get nervous. Okay. So we are up to... Do you know what we're up to? Uh, that is correct. Okay. Shnei dvarim she matzanu bahem inyan laharot et yofiam l'rabim v'edu mikdash. So we just talked about showing off the beauty of a part of the Beit HaMikdash to the people. Is that like a normal thing? There's actually two things like that. Sheila. 
כשלמד רבי יוחנן עם תלמידיו את משנתנו, רבי יוחנן uh, was learning um, this משנה with his students, קם יוסף השקדן וקרא, הנה כמו שאנו לומדים כעת במשנתנו על דבר שהרו את נועוי לרבים. So we learned in this משנה um, that they'd show how beautiful the curtain was to the public. כמו כן, זכורני שלמדנו בעבר גמר במסכת יומא. Ah, see, also it's connected to Masechet Yuma. Shehaya davar oto haro'oi l'rabim ve'lmikdash kamana'ahu. Ach l'tzari, eni matzliach zakir ma'ud davar zeh. So I remember there was something in Yuma, something regarding the Yom Kippur service, where they would see how nice, how beautiful something was, but I can't remember what it was. Heim yuchalam l'meida yakar l'azkireni nishkachot. Can you please remind me, what was that thing or whatever a situation where we'd be looking at something beautiful in the Beit HaMikdash to the public so um, so he knew that there were a lot of kids that, that definitely did remember so they're going to do some kind of Edgar challenge uh, right, a challenge הוא קורא בקול, מי אכן יוכל לענות על שאלות של יוסף? שלושה תלמידים ידעו התשובה, האם תדעו מה אמרו של תלמידים? So three kids raised their hand, they knew what was the case in Yuma, and let's see. תשובה שמעון שמואל וחזקאל ידעו את התשובה. So here is the answer. This is a very long... And who was able to answer them? שמעון שמואל וחזקאל. So it's a kind of long-winded way of just saying there is a... <laughs> There's a similar case in Masechet Yuma, and now here we are. Masechet Yuma, Daf Ayin Amad Aleph. So we learned it pretty recently in Daf Yomi. Omerat HaGemara, Shabiyoma Kippurim, Lachar Kriyat HaTorah, HaMerkazit, Shaitav Beit HaMikdash, Loznei Kol Yisrael. So on, in Yuma, we learned that on Yom Kippur, uh, besides for all the different uh, services that we do in the Korbanot, whatever, Um, there's also a uh, a reading from the Torah that the Kohen Gadol himself does. He reads from the Torah um, and for everyone to hear, sort of, you know, and then like once every, um, what is it, once every seven years? When does the, the king read? Once every seven years. That's once every Hakel. seven years. So that's like an even, even slightly bigger event. But yeah, here every year we have a very similar event where the Kohen Gadol uh, uh, reads from the Torah There's a long Yom Kippur service, which we're going to get to in our next Masechet, coming up soon. Yeah. Um, but part of it was a reading from the Torah, which, which is the Kohen Gadol. Which yeah, I mean, like we complain, Yom Kippur's hard. We can imagine how hard it was for the Kohen Gadol. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe one of the reasons why they drop dead every year. It's like they work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so much work on one day while yeah, fasting, and they hadn't sleep for a week. They haven't slept for a week, basically, like for whatever. It's, it's well, tough. Well, for sure for a night. Well, yeah. But I'm saying, like, they, it's very intense. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And the sins of um, the whole you know, nation on your shoulders. Yes, and then all the sins of the nation on your shoulders. Anyway, there's, there's probably something to that, too. But, Nahag, kol mi shaya beveto sefer Torah, lavi leveto mikdash, raroto, verabim, leine kol kal. So, when the Kohen Gadol did this, he'd actually... in general, or at least some of them, would have their own Sefer Torah in their house, that would be the one that they would bring. They right. would bring their personal Sefer Torah, 
and it show it to the public. Kamo- this is cool. I never heard about this. The Kamosha Be'er Rashi. Really yeah, because we don't really. Right. It's not like it was kind of like a, a Simchas Torah on Yom Kippur. It's not a highlight in the in the prayer service. Right. It's, I've never heard of it. Right. The, the highlight so in the cool. prayer service is about you know the 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 korbanot, the sacrifices, and and God forgiving us for our sins once a year. And, the scapegoat and the scapegoat and all that stuff, which Sorry. is beautiful. But th- there is this. Uh, you know, uh, maybe this uh, is a rabbinic origin, uh, you know, and maybe it's not mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, well known. So this actually, so Rashi um, explains on um, in that spot in the Gemara that why is he bringing his Sefer Torah? Laharot, noi shal Sefer Torah, to show the people. So it's not just, right, because, you know, till this day, there are, plenty of Jews that, you know, their their only real um, experience in a synagogue is on Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, you know, mm. the high holidays, and especially Yom Kippur. And back then, for a lot of Jews, that was their, the one time a year that they'd come to the Beit HaMikdash because mm. it was, uh, there was so much going on, there was so much to do, to see, to be involved in, and there was all these amazing things happening that would only happen once a year. Mm-hmm. So there were Jews that were there at that time. And you could imagine some didn't really know. Some might not even known what a Torah looked like mm-hmm. back then. Okay. Um, or maybe, you know, it'd be very grimy little Torah somewhere, you know, that, they, that they'd see. But so the Kohen Gadol comes with a fancy Sefer Torah that probably looked more like a Sefer Torah nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, who knows how wealthy they were. They were very wealthy. I'm sure it was mm-hmm. covered in gold and different... You know, it was a beautiful Sefer Torah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like anything else, when you see something done right, you know, and beautiful, it mm-hmm. makes a, it has an effect on you. Right. And it's like the Torah is not just a little book that, you know, some old men are learning in the corner. Mm-hmm. But here's the Kohen Gadol. He comes with this beautiful Sefer Torah from his mm-hmm. house. And it's like, you know, first of all, it shows that, you know, the Sefer Torah can be beautiful. And second, that, that the Kohen Gadol, he himself, uh, you know, loved the Torah so much that he made an effort to have a beautiful one written for him mm-hmm. and that, you know, that he owns such a beautiful Sefer Torah. So, mm-hmm. you know, and here too, it's like the noy, uh, the beauty of the curtains. Like, what's, what's the curtains? Curtains is just, you know, it's like an afterthought in, in a temple, right, with the curtains. But um, no, specifically, they were made very beautiful mm-hmm. and we showed it to the public. It's like, well, the Beit HaMikdash is a beautiful place. There's a, you know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. what to do and see. And here it also says not just the Kohen Gadol, but also anybody, you know, you want to read along with uh, w- with the um, uh, the Torah reading um, service. So anyone who owns a Sefer Torah, who commissioned it or who wrote it themselves, there's uh, a special mitzvah that every Jewish person should um, should write a Torah. Either uh, some people right. nowadays, they say you can fulfill that by buying a, 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 a Torah, you know, a printed Torah book. But there are um, many who, when there's Torah being written. That's mitzvah number you, 613, right? It could be. I'm pretty sure. Uh, to uh, to have, a, you know, have a, a sponsor, like a letter inside or a pasuk. Uh, and there are some uh, people who are able to sponsor a whole Torah and to have that as well. So anyone who did have their own Torah, they would bring it to the Yom Kippur service and they would read it as sure well it then. And uh, yeah. And, um, and it was really beautiful. So it was a really nice, like I said, like a, almost like a Simchas Torah experience with lots of Torahs and just seeing how, but it's cool. Cause it's not like, I feel like on Simchas Torah, when we do have a lot of Torahs, the focus is like the dancing and the joy. Uh, but here it was also just like, wow, looking, looking at a Torah up close and, and seeing how beautiful it is. And I have to say, yeah, um, 
I once I was uh, with my brother um, uh, as he was practicing for his uh, bar mitzvah and I went to see the Torah up close and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. You know, for someone who, who hasn't usually seen an open Torah up close, it's a really cool experience. And I bet especially for young kids um, who are there, you know, um, it's really cool. Also for women who were there, they got to see it also open up, uh, open there. Um, so um, that, that was pretty a pretty beautiful and wonderful experience. Well, that wraps up this Mishnah. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Mishnah Yomi. Mishnah Bye.